Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Daniel Hagen. You guys want to stay up a little bit longer because I don't know what's going to happen yet. Is that all right? We might might throw back to you. Especially that song about the crashing wave. Who believes there's going to be... I believe the crashing wave has already started. Many of us have seen the the beginnings of that crashing wave and some are even brave enough to jump on a surfboard and begin to surf this thing and it's still rolling. How many people believe it's still rolling? Why don't you say to the person next to you, this wave is still rolling, don't get off. Pastor David, I don't know if you remember, but you you prophesied and you talked about a third wave that was hitting the world. And in particular, you mentioned the nation of Australia while you were here. And I believe that we're beginning to see the early signs of that third wave. And so I say, bring it on. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, you can grab your seat and uh, I want to show... Pastor David, what's happened? Because the last time you were here, actually, I'm going to go through this. The last few days, I've been meditating over some things that you said when you were here, Pastor David, in this church. And I believe in in prophecy. Many people believe in prophecy, Um, particularly when it's real, not pathetic ministry, but prophetic ministry. Amen? When it's from God. And I'm reminded of a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, Paul, teaching uh, a young minister that was uh, working for him in Ephesus, Timothy, and he was reminding Timothy and, in fact, charging Timothy. Uh, and so let's read this together. Verse 18, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Everyone say Prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Everyone say wage a good warfare. Who wants to wage a good warfare? How many people know we we are certainly in a fight? Uh, It's a good fight, the good fight of faith, and we have King Jesus on our side, so we're on the winning team. The devil's a, a liar, the devil's a loser, and Jesus is king. Amen. He's in us, stronger is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But we still have to fight because the enemy is certainly trying to stop us, cause us to slow down, cause us to look left and right, back down. But it's up to us to not do that and to commit to enduring and commit to moving forward and believing what God says and going for it. Amen? And so I want to read some words that I've been meditating on and praying through. And Pastor David, I got the audio file, but it's not the best quality. So I trend, did like a transcript for it. And so I'm going to read it out. And I want you guys just to, just to hear these words and then think about what's, happen, what's been happening over the last couple of years since David's been here. And, uh, and I feel like it's all beginning, we're beginning to see that uh, these are not just empty words. God really is doing something in our nation and in the nations. Amen? So, David, when you were here, you talked about there were five prophets at that stage that came to you and talked about 
a third wave of energy that was, uh, was going to be on your ministry. And uh, you said that uh, these five prophets, five different prophets that didn't know each other in different places, uh, said that you'd been faithful with the first two waves of energy and there was a third wave of energy that was going to be released upon your ministry. And you said the fifth prophet was a young boy from India. And in the middle of India, he gets woken up in the middle of the morning. And this is when David was in Australia last time and somehow manages to get onto Pastor David through a pastor in Brisbane and begins to prophesy. But he also said something about our nation in Australia. And David released this and prophesied this over our nation in this church last time he was here. He said, there's about to be a great upheaval that's fixing to happen here in Australia. Everyone say upheaval. And then you went on later to say there's going to be an upheaval of energy that is going to hit this land. He said, God wants to touch Australia. He said, uh, David said, I'm going to be a part of that. Lots of people are. He said, lots of things are going to coordinate. Interesting what's been happening, right? It is the will of God, you went on to say. And you said to us, you need to stop I think you said hopping between two opinions. I need you to call down the fire. And you said, I need you to invite the prophets of Baal to a party. <laughs> I need you to let them have the first chance in showing them who God is. I need to stop a three and a half year drought. And you went on to say, I don't know how long the drought's been for your land of the energy of God. But you said, we need the energy. We need to step into prayer. Everyone say prayer. We need to coordinate many, many days of fasting and prayer. We need to meditate on the Scriptures together. We need to be serious, organized, and focused. But the main thing we need to do is call down the fire of God. How many people are hungry for the fire of God? So since that word, some of that has been happening. And we've had coordinated prayer and fasting events. Thousands of people have committed to pray and fast together. How many people have committed to our 7 p.m. prayer initiative? Just raise your hand if you've been praying for our nation at 7 o'clock every night. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to set your alarms because we're continuing. We're continuing to do that. Thousands have committed. 7 o'clock, no matter what's happening, no matter what you're doing, even if you're with the Prime Minister of Australia, we say, excuse me, we need to stop and we need to pray because we're praying for our nation no matter what. Our home groups are getting together and praying. People all over the country and in fact, people in different nations are also joining us and praying for our nation. Pastor Margaret Court recently uh, was woken up in the early hours of, of the morning and believed that our, na was in a, our nation was in a critical time, particularly around what was happening politically. And uh, we know the antichrist agenda that came with the Greens and with Labor. And, uh, and we also know that uh, we had potentially a man running for office that was a Pentecostal Christian. The first time that this nation has ever had a Pentecostal Christian as prime minister. So we were kind of on the edge. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the media said it was impossible for Scott Morrison to win. Uh, Often it's the fake media, right? The, the pre-polls uh, said absolutely no chance of Scott Morrison winning. The bookies, the people that take the bets, you know, you can bet on the election. 
they were taking bets and they were actually paying out a week before the results, they were paying out on bets for labor. That's how far in front, that's how far favorites they were to win. But in the background, there were a whole bunch of people that were praying and fasting. Coordinated prayer and fasting. And I don't know if you guys have seen the headlines of the newspapers, but they were prophetic headlines. Let me just read a few of them out. Secular mainstream headlines. These were some of the quotes. You ready? Messiah from the Shire. ScoMo's True Believers. ScoMo's Miracle. And there were others as well. There, even, there was even a misprint about, and I think they were meant to say an appointment, but they said an anointing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a big fan of politics. I think there's a lot of corruption in all the parties, but uh, this is the first time that I've actually been somewhat excited. I know some people that are around this man, and he's a genuine believer, probably not perfect, but... I think it's going to help us for another three years at least because they were really trying to stop our freedom of speech, our expression of faith, especially in the schools, all the crazy stuff that's going on, trying to introduce these corrupt uh, sexual things in our schools. And so uh, it's great. I think uh, it's an opportunity for us Christians to really run even harder. I really felt God said there's certainly going to be awakening. There's going to be an outpouring. It's either going to come through persecution or through prayer. Which one do you want? It's going to come either way. And, uh, and I say it's probably better if we can do it through prayer. Although if we need to do it through persecution, we will. Amen? Amen. Um, so that's been happening. And uh, many of you have possibly seen this. You're a part of it. But I'd love to show Pastor David just a little highlight clip of uh, some of this uh, spiritual energy, this upheaval that's been happening in our nation. So if we can, team, if we can throw to that highlight clip, that Awakening Australia highlight clip, and just let... Let it wash over you, the testimony of it wash over you because it's just the beginning. It's just the start. I believe it's like the first arrow. You know that famous story in, uh, in the book of Kings where Elisha and the king of Israel, he told him to strike the ground. I believe this is just the first, first arrow. The war's not over. But if we can go to that now, do we have that ready? Let's give Jesus one more shout out for that. Thank you, God. And it, it has been a drought. And we haven't seen anything like that maybe since the Billy Graham days. Um, but some of the things that we heard about, we, I haven't heard about anything like that in Australia, in Australia's history. And in particular, what we love is that it wasn't just an event where people came and gathered. When we love that, we love it when people gather for Jesus, of course. But out of, we probably had around 30,000 come through over the three days, which is all good. But what we loved was at least like, at least 5,000 people out of the 30,000 committed to not just come and hear someone speak, but to go out onto the streets. And we had coordinated outreaches, and we had people praying and interceding. And the we had saw more miracles outside the event than inside the event. More souls saved outside the event than inside the event through everyday believers like you and me. And uh, so I say that because I want to inspire us today. There is an outreach happening. Uh, and what time was it again? 1.30. 1 so 
Now, this area, I know that we've got quite a few people that have traveled in. And, uh, and so maybe you don't know this area, but it's a fun area to preach the gospel. It's, uh, it has got a little bit of a notorious reputation for crime and drugs and, and gangs. Mind you, we're cleaning this place up. It's changed so, so much over the last five years. We're running the devil out of the city, which is so good. Um, but there's still some demons that you can go after. There's still some people that you can set free through the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. Amen. So it'd be great to see hundreds of us, not just come and uh, come and enjoy the conference, but to go and take that fire out onto the streets today. And as Pastor Alex said, uh, tomorrow morning's a great opportunity to invite them along as well. Maybe connect with them, follow them up, because we don't just want to give them an encounter on the streets, but we want to see them discipled and plugged into a local church. Amen? All right, so uh, I woke up this morning with some good news. How many people like good news? Glory to God. And I'm going to pray just really quickly. Father, I thank you for this great opportunity. This is a, a strategic, it's a national gathering. I asked our team to um, let me know how many different states were gathered here. Because uh, we reached capacity like a week ago. And many of our local church members missed out because it packed out so quickly. And I was wondering where they came from. And and the team sent me a text saying, every state of Australia is represented except the top, top Northern Territory. And so I really felt that this is a strategic gathering. The hungry people got in early and, and registered because they know that there's, there's something uh, about to happen in the next three days. And God, when I was praying about, uh, over the last few days, praying about this these next three days or the next two days now, uh, I was reminded of, uh, Acts chapter 2 and how there were 120 gathered in the upper room and it was the fulfillment of the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, verse eight he said, you shall receive power and uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then that, the beginning of that happened in Acts chapter 2. But then we see two chapters later, so by the way, the, for those that don't know, the Holy Spirit was poured out and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, signs and wonders. It was so wild that even some onlookers thought they were drunk. It was just this extraordinary experience. And uh, it was the, the dunamis miracle-working power. And it's the power that we need to be a witness to Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And God, by the way, God's still pouring out His Spirit today. It wasn't just a one-off occasion. Amen. We need it. And then Acts two chapters later, Acts chapter 4 some of the same people that received that initial experience in Acts chapter 2 are now facing persecution, extreme persecution, not just a few bad comments on Instagram. I mean, their lives were at risk. Uh, they, were, they potentially could be in prison, not for being criminals, but for righteousness' sake, for preaching the gospel. And so here they are, and they recognized they needed that same power again. They needed a fresh filling the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit, and they gathered and they prayed and they said, God, fill us again that we may speak your word with boldness. And so there's something about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We know people speak in tongues, they prophesy, the gifts of the Spirit are amazing. We need all that. But one of the attributes of the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit is boldness. And we need that. 
um, we've noticed around the world when we preach, and I'm sure Pastor David's the same, but fear of man, we've noticed this epidemic, an epidemic sin amongst the church. And we need boldness. We don't want to be bound by fear. We haven't been given a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. And so I feel, it's weird, I've gone from praying to kind of preaching and prophesying, but I feel God's saying this. He's saying this gathering is like an Acts 4 gathering. Acts 2 was amazing. That first experience when Pastor David was here was amazing. And what we've seen since is phenomenal. And I feel like it's like a regathering of the troops. People from different, even different states are here. The hungry ones are here for an, another Acts 4 filling. It's like, fill us again, Lord that we may speak your word with boldness, that you would stretch forth your hands to see the sick healed, that signs and wonders would follow. Amen? And so I want to encourage everyone to be really ready, hungry tonight for another powerful night. Go out on the streets today. Take that fire on the streets. Preach the gospel. If you've never been out before, if you've never shared your faith, definitely go out today. One way to break the fear of man is just walking right through that thing. And you'll realize it's a mirage. It's not real. It's fake. You might have the feeling of fear, but you don't need to submit to it. Even the most bold, the most bold people in all the world, I've spoken to a number of them because I want to learn. And there's a common theme. They still feel the temptation of fear, but the difference is they don't submit to it. They submit to God and the will of God, knowing that He's on our side and that stronger is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Amen. So I woke up with some good morning, uh, some uh, good news this morning, which is great. I love good news. I was in Belgium recently. Um, actually, I was in Holland, and then we got we were asked to to preach. Um, I took the band with us in Belgium, a fairly small little church. We but we had some spare time, so we went there. And I'd heard about the pastor there. He's somewhat of a new pastor, and uh, he. He was saved out of, uh, he was like involved in crime and gangs, bike gangs. Uh, he was a, a staunch Muslim, had this radical encounter with Jesus, kind of like a, a road to Damascus experience. Jesus knocked him off, off the horse and now he's a radical Christian. So he was, a, he was radical for the devil, now he's a radical Christian. I'd heard a few rumors and stories about him, so I was very pleased to go and meet him. And then to see his church was great, his He's now, um, he's still involved in bike gangs, but this time he's created a Christian bike gang and uh, they're doing it for the gospel. But he also is a chaplain and has, still has respect amongst many of the different uh, groups in Europe. And he goes into some of those groups and becomes a light in the darkness and operates as a chaplain. So I was really interested to hear some of the stories and, and feedback. So when we were there in Belgium, we were preaching. Uh, it was amazing. I got to share some of my testimony. Uh, the meeting finished. I went outside uh, to FaceTime my wife and my children. I was missing them. Uh, and it was a really cool church, actually, David. Like, there's all Harleys out the front. So some of our guys like that. And, uh, and I was FaceTiming. I was actually looking at the Harleys, admiring them while I was out there. And then as I went to come back in, there was a man uh, standing kind of near the doorway, and he asked me to come over. And I went over, and he was just, he began to um, just kind of tear up even before he said anything anything and I could tell God was on him he said I just want to thank you for sharing your story he said I have a, a similar story he didn't go to, into all the details but he said I really uh, f feel like I need to give my life to Jesus now I didn't know who he was at this stage I found out later that 
he was very, uh, very much a notorious uh, criminal in, in that nation. And uh, he was there because he was invited to be at this particular meeting. And uh, he heard the gospel. And he got rocked by the gospel because the gospel is so powerful, amen? It's the power of God under salvation. So I was able to pray for him and lead him to Jesus right there outside the door of the church. And then later that day, we went out to lunch with the pastor and he introduced us to the Belgian fries. We heard about these Belgian, famous Belgian fries and we had some nice food and that was great. But then as we were eating, the, the man that... Uh, that I had preached to that had that encounter with Jesus, he texted the pastor and he said, can you please come to my dad? Uh, his dad had been giving no hope to live from the, uh, the hospital. He'd just been released from the hospital because he had cancer. They tried all different treatment and they said, there's nothing more we can do. And uh, as a result of the chemo, he had further complications. Now he couldn't swallow. He had all pain from his neck all the way down to his stomach. So here he is in his house, and his son, because of that encounter, is now asking for prayer for his dad. And so, of course, we said yes. We jumped in the van, went to the house. The mum's there. Uh, his mum's there, so the wife of the man with cancer's there. And uh, he was very open to us praying. Of course, what have you got to lose? They're not Christian, but what have you got to lose? The doctors have given you no more hope. Uh, you can't even swallow. You can't even, he was struggling to even sip on water. And so pretty much from what I understand, they had just left him there. He was just left to die. And so we went there. We prayed. Uh, I got the, uh, noticed there was a guitar on the side of the wall. So I love worship. We got the guitar out and started worshiping, started singing. Uh, the pastor was translating for us. And, uh, and then we began to pray. And uh, it was a really interesting experience. I've seen this before. But as we prayed, he just began to tremble. And I noticed... The, like the atmosphere in the whole room shifted. And I noticed on my right, the wife began to tear up too. Not a Christian, but she could just tell something was happening in the, in the room. She could sense it. And he's literally like shaking like this. And we kept praying. And then I said, I said to him, um, what, what's happening? And he goes, I can, I can feel heat. And I said, that's a good thing. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit like fire. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we kept praying. And then I said, uh, just swallow some water. Has there been any any difference? And he said, he, like he sort of went like that. He said it's even more painful. And I said, oh, that's that's not not a great response when you first pray for someone. It's even more painful. He said, but the pain's moved. He said it was up here, but now it's like moved down here. Now, because I've been doing this for a few years now, I wasn't. I kind of knew what that was now. It's a spirit. It's a devil. And it's moving because it doesn't like that we're praying and that we're there. So we decided to ask him if we can pray a little bit more aggressively this time. And they're not used to prayer. They're not used to church. So we, we kind of started off just a little bit gentle. And so we need to pray a bit more aggressively this time. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we prayed and we went after it, cast out the devil. And then we, we got him to uh, check again. And the, the pain had subsided dramatically. And, uh, and so we went away. Now, the cancer was in his lungs. So we didn't know, obviously, any immediate difference straight away with that. But the pain and his ability to swallow had left. Two days later, we left. We flew out. And then the pastor began to send me photos and updates of this man. 
The first photo was him sitting at a table eating solid food for the first time in a long time. The son, uh, the next week, went to church, got baptized. So he was saved, now baptized. Uh, got further updates. They went back to the hospital as a result of the pain going away to get another check. Doc, remember the, the, the hospital sent him away. They went back to the hospital to get a check. The next update was they checked the cancer and they said it has significant, significantly shrunk. So not totally gone, but shrunk. And so much so that they're now open to looking at more treatment because though it, it had shrunk that much. And then this morning, so this guy was like, he could barely leave his house. This morning, just randomly, I didn't ask the pastor for an update. He just said, as I woke up, literally as I woke up, he sent me this new photo. Can I, can I show, put that new photo up if we can? This is him. This is his wife. And they're in church. This is their church. I said to him while we're praying, next time I'm back in Europe, I said, you will live. Next time you're back in Europe, you're going to be healed and you're going to share your testimony. And uh, that's happening. That's happening right now. So uh, yay, Jesus. He's awesome. So I just feel that, that story is continuing to build because Jesus heals. Amen. And we need to be a light. I'm, I'm really encouraged by that church, the way they go into the dark areas and they're not afraid of the darkness. They go and shine the light and pull people out of the darkness. We're called to arise and shine. Amen. Now, God's doing some weird things with arrows with me. Now, I'm a word guy. I'm, I'm a bit like the doer. Like, I like seers, but... Um, I'm definitely more of a doer and a word guy. Like I love to prepare my notes. I love theology. Uh, the Bible got me out of schizophrenia. And uh, the Holy Spirit delivered the demon, but then I needed my mind renewed. And so the Bible unraveled all that crazy stuff and brought tra transformation way back in 2003. So we need the word and the spirit, amen? I got a couple of, does anyone want a CD? This is the live at Marvel Stadium. And this one, you may have noticed there's an arrow on the cover. Anyone, has anyone seen that? There's a reason for that. We've had this prophetic thing that's been following us around the arrow. And I haven't told too many people the meaning of it because it, it's kind of a little bit weird. Does anyone want it, by the way? Anyone not have it? There we go. But uh, the last conference I was at, God asked me to share the story of the arrow and how it started prophetically for me, which is, I wasn't really comfortable with it because I'm still kind of getting used to the prophetic thing because I'm more of a word guy. But then this morning, I kind of had a message ready. But this morning, I was, my dad gave me these, someone gave him these to give to me. And it's these necklaces and on it is an arrow and it says warrior. And uh, on the other one, it says, Awaken Arrows. Now, I don't know if they were made because they know the story or if this was made before. Did you make these because you knew the story? You already had this. You know the message? And did you have these arrows? You didn't make it? Oh, you know the message. 
Someone, whoever it was, someone here gave me these. I don't know why, but this is very significant for me. And so I woke up with that story. Dad hands me these with the arrows. And then I felt God say, tell them that weird story. So, and then we're going we're gonna to finish and turn you guys into fiery arrows before you head out in the streets today. Is that all right? Because God wants you to be an arrow in His hand and He wants to send you out today. He wants to send you out into your workplace, into your school as a burning arrow, sharp. It's not by might nor by power. It's His strength. He's the, he's the archer and you're the arrow. Amen? So I'm going to tell you how this started. Some of you may know, some of you may not, but we're going to go here. Let's have a look at the first photo. I, I caught up with a man named Rob DeLuca. I've been following him somewhat. I know, I know uh, he was living in Reading. Uh, he, he was definitely uh, has a strong prophetic gift. I watched him live on God TV many, many uh, years ago, over a decade ago. And this was before the Israeli prime minister was in place, Benjamin. This is before... And I watched Rob DeLuca prophesy uh, Benjamin into office. This was before he was even running on live TV, on God TV, before he was even running. There was another lady that was supposed to be running. After he prophesied that, she pulled out and he went in to the race for prime minister. And not long after, he was obviously selected. And he's just got another uh, three years, I think, he's back in again. Now, I don't know him all that well, but it seems like he's a, he's a good man. And so I've been very curious about this gift. And then I heard that Rob DeLuke had moved to Australia for a reason, that he had consecutive dreams because he felt like God was going to hit like a crashing wave, like we've been singing. It's going to be hitting our nation. And so he moved to the Gold Coast. So I wanted to catch up with him because I was in Queensland. I wanted to ask him and talk to him about it. What did you see? What do you feel God doing? And so I went... I, I went to this cafe, not because it said Archer, not because it had an arrow, uh, but someone just told me it was good coffee. So not, it wasn't spiritual at all. I went there, met with him. And then he just, we're talking, and he starts talking about arrows, not nonstop, about fiery arrows. And I wasn't even really paying much attention to it, except I just started reading, because I'm a word guy, I just started reading Isaiah chapter 49. And in particular, Isaiah chapter 49, 2 I found myself for about a week just meditating on this and trying to understand Isaiah 49, and in particular 49.2, and it says, And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. He has hidden me, and he has made me a polished shaft in his quiver. He has hidden me. Now, this is prophetic for Jesus. And I'm, I'm looking at it, reading it, meditating on Isaiah 49. I literally was just in it for a week, catch up with Rob, and because he kept talking about arrows, I, I kind of was listening to him. I'm running, God, are you trying to say something to me about arrows? And so if we can go back to that photo again, he thought it was prophetic. So much so that he, as we left, he took a photo of it, sent it to me, and then put some arrow emojis and fire and all that on there. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I'm a word guy. You know, like I don't, think, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. But that's cool. So anyway, let's go to the next photo. I'm in Queensland, had a great meeting with him. He really believes Australia is on target for God's fire. And that was amazing. And I appreciated that catch up with him. It was good coffee, by the way. And then the next day, I wanted to go back there because it was good coffee. That's the only reason. 
And, but I, was, I had another, while I was there, I wanted to have another meeting with another pastor. So I don't know that area all that well. It was in Brisbane. Put the GPS on and I wanted to meet this pastor back there driving along. And the GPS just kept taking me down the wrong road. Has anyone had that before? You're trying to get to a place, you don't know the area, and it's saying, recalibrate, recalibrate, turn back, turn back. And so I'm going, driving all around, and, uh, and I got so frustrated. I was not, this is not a spiritual thing at all. I was frustrated. And I remember saying, God, I don't want to go to that cafe. I can't find it. I'm just going to stop at the next cafe that I find and just ring the pastor and say, I can't find it. Can you please come here? Because you know the area. So the very next, I, I literally prayed that, like I said it out loud. And the very next place was this cafe. Like not long after I prayed that, I didn't know the area, I pull up and I'm like, that's weird. Because it was in my mind a bit after Rob sent me that the photo. That's really weird. I told you this is a bit of a weird message, didn't I? And it's bow and arrow. And I'm like, okay. So I ended up, taking a screenshot this time or a photo and I sent it to Rob and I said all right maybe there's something in this and I'm not sure why or what but I took the photo and uh, I caught up with the pastor and it all was good let's go to the next photo this was last year by the way it's over a year ago now so here I am this time we are so we're in Brisbane I'm with the family that's my wife to the right uh, my daughter you can see just in there at this particular, the reason we're here is because we're waiting, we're early at the airport, so we thought we'll stop here. I'm literally sitting with my Bible, that revival Bible that I have, and I'm just reading Isaiah 49. I'm just in 49 reading, I'm sitting back, no one's around, relaxing. Um, here's my wife talking to the staff member at McDonald's. I didn't initially know what was going on, but my other daughter Esther comes running around here, and she says, Daddy, Daddy, the lady's crying. Mummy's leading her to Jesus. And if anyone knows my wife, it's like she does that all the time. Like she's, she's just nonstop at it. And so I didn't, I didn't pay, uh, I just thought, oh, that's, that's cool. I'm going to take a photo of it because the lady can't see me. I'm going to take a photo of that. That's awesome. It's a great moment. My kids are getting to see my wife lead this lady to Jesus. She's literally weeping right here in this moment. Now, I didn't know what was happening in the photo and it wasn't until a little bit later that it caught my attention, that symbol on the left. Can anyone see what's on the left? There's an arrow. And right there in that moment, it's like the arrow piercing her as she's being born again. That's the arrow. That's the Isaiah 49.2. That's Jesus piercing her in that moment. And so... I started to actually, honestly, I wasn't, I thought it was a bit of a, like just a funny thing with Rob, but then when that happened, I'm like, okay, you're starting to get my attention now, God. And so, because I'm not one of those guys that follow every little sign, you know what I mean? Sometimes people see a sign on a truck, go to Africa, and they go, go to Africa, or like, I, I believe in the language of the Spirit, but I'm a word guy. And so it's gotta be a lot of things like this for, for it to catch my attention. And I believe that God does speak through unusual coincidences. I believe it's one of the ways that He speaks. But I, I think we need to be solid in the Word. Um, so, but this, honestly, it started to stir up my spirit. I'm like, God, you're, you're talking to me in an unusual way, but I feel like 
there's something on this. So let's go to the next photo. So this is like three days in a row now. And this is, we get back to Melbourne. I had to get back quickly because we had an Empowered Conference. Remember that one last year with John Bevere and some others? And so I had to get back and uh, got back and I remember going straight to the green room to prepare. And Pastor Alex, who didn't know any of this stuff, no one knew except Rob DeLuca what was happening. And Alex doesn't know Rob. No one knew what was happening. Alex comes in, Pastor Alex, and he was like trembling. And I'm like, oh no. Sometimes before conferences, things go wrong. You know, the devil tries to come in and he's trembling. And I'm like, oh, what's happened now? And, uh, and he's, he comes in and like he's a very solid person. So for him to be kind of like emotional was like, what's up? This is, and then he pulls out this necklace and it's, a, it's an arrow. And he says, I don't know why, but God told me to give you this and say Isaiah 49.2. And I sent that to Rob and he's like, I told you. And he said, there will be a chain of events around the arrow and uh, you need to be ready and write it all down, write down the revelation of it. And so, and I caught up with Ben that same weekend and he's wearing an arrow. I've never seen him wear the arrow. He's wearing an arrow as a necklace. And he said, it's very significant for me also. And so we really feel like God is raising up in this, in this hour, in this generation, an army of arrows in the hand of the Lord. And he's looking to set them on fire. And so I wanna take us now to one more scripture and then I feel like we want to get everyone blasted. I feel like it's prophetic. When I shared on this in Shepherd and God got me to do this recently in another conference, like we preached on all sorts of stuff in different sessions, but that session, the glory fell so strong. One lady who was very conservative, she was getting drunk and doing all these weird dances and heaven and the fire of God fell so strong. And I've spoken to the pastor since, and he said so many people have been impacted by that. They're going out now into the community, sharing the gospel, sharing their faith, and many, many things are happening. So I feel like that's gonna happen today, amen? We're gonna pray for some people, and uh, I believe you guys are the arrows, and we're gonna release the fire of God. But before we do that, I wanna take us to another scripture. Is that okay? 2 Kings chapter 13. Two Kings chapter 13. Jess, could I grab some water if you're here? Two Kings chapter 13. And I feel like this message prophetically ties in with what Pastor David has prophesied over us a few years ago, the beginnings of this upheaval of this energy that's already started, I believe, to hit this land. But I believe we're in a season where potentially we could stand back and kind of clap, give little golf claps and say, yay, God, look what you've done so far. Yay, God, we've got a, you know, a Pentecostal prime minister. Yay, God, we, we saw God do something extraordinary in Melbourne and we can hit the ground once and be satisfied or we can say there's more. Or there's more. When you say to the person next to you, is there more? Just ask them the question, is there more? 
So what I've kind of, as the word guy, what I'm trying to work out with this, what are you trying to say, God? And I feel like there's many things, it's on many levels, but I certainly know the Isaiah 49 too, but also this is prophetic for us in this season, this event that took place with the arrows. And Elijah had become sick with illness. Uh, this is verse 14, of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. And he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Everyone say, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, and he was angry because he's a prophet and he felt the anger of God. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you all had destroyed it. But now you'll strike Syria only three times. They had partial victory, but God wanted to do more. God wants to do more. You're the arrow. We're the arrow. We've struck the ground, I think, only once. And he's saying, strike again and strike again. But in our story, we need to learn from this. We need to learn from this story of Elisha and the king of Israel. Once, twice, three times. He did more than what even we've done so far. But then he stopped. And so we want to get an eraser in our history. We want to erase this. And so we want to learn from this. We want to rub out the stopped. And we want our story to say we're going to keep going. We're going to keep striking no matter what comes our way. We're going to believe and we're going to strike on the grounds of Revival, because we need this wave of energy to hit our land. We need the fire of God. We need to be coordinated and serious and believe. And God needs every one of us to strike the ground. If we're going to see this nation saved, can a nation be saved in a day? Why not? Why don't you say to the person next to you, why not? Why not you? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? Not next year, not in 10 years, not in 20 years. Now, now is the day of salvation. Strike the ground now. I want to ask everyone to stand at their feet. Carl, I want to go back into that crashing wave. Can we go back into that right now? Let's sing this and declare this together and then we're going to pray for some people. Pastor David, if it's okay, I'm going to, ask that you help me and we just release the fire of God on anyone that's hungry, anyone that believes they're an arrow in this hour. 
anyone that's ready to strike the ground. I feel like even as Pastor David prays in particular, there's going to be a release of that endurance that we need. There's something about the striking where we don't give up. We don't back down. We're not content. We don't sit back and give golf claps and say, wasn't that good? But we want more, 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 more than we can even fathom, believe that we can even conceive in our mind. Because He is able. As we sing this, if you're ready to give it all, Keith Green sang a song. He said, keep doing your best. Pray that it's blessed. He'll take care of the rest. Come on. The first part is do your best. He's looking for people that are willing. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my all. I give you my best. It's true that we're saved through faith, through grace, not of works lest anyone should boast, but it goes on to say that we are His workmanship and we're created for good works. There's preordained works that we are created for that God wants us to step into and He's calling you to be an arrow in His hand in this hour with the fire of God, fiery arrows, fiery arrows, fiery arrows. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.